Hi, and welcome to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. Every week we watch a movie and sit down here to talk about it. I'm Mel. I'm Katie. And we're your hosts. This week we watched Fury, directed by David Ayer and released in 2014. The plot of Fury goes something like this. Nick Fury has a solo... No, wait. (laughs) At the tail end of World War II, rookie recruit Norman is drafted into a battle-scarred tank unit as they head into their final battles. Yeah, so basically it's another Brad Pitt World War II movie, this time set in a tank. And we have Brad Pitt and this battle-scarred old crew and a new guy who was supposed to be on a desk job, but this is the end of World War II and pretty much everyone who could be called up has been. I nearly missed my intro (laughs) because I was distracted. I'm trying to remember what happened in Fury, to be honest. Okay, Um, so uh, I know it was really super pretty, but also kind of looked like Star Wars. Yes, so super pretty. Also super gory, uh, really well shot. In I thought they did a really good job in the tank of getting you getting you the idea of what the geography of the inside of a tank looks like. And we start off with like all these real extreme close ups to give you an idea of how claustrophobic it also is inside a tank. That was and very yet clever. the movie doesn't feel claustrophobic because most of the action doesn't actually take place within the tank, which was a very good idea, I think. Yeah, no, you didn't want to be in there the whole time, but getting the idea of what it feels like to be in the tank. What it does is it actually sets you up as feeling safe in the tank at the start, which then, of course, you aren't, and that's how it ends. But it's very clever the way they do that, I thought. They're still safer in the tank than outside it. Yes, I know. They still are, but still, like, you know, in the end, one tank against, like, 300 Germans can't quite compete no it's a it's a last stand movie yeah it is a last stand i'm sure joss whedon loves it yeah um and so but the star wars thing is that when machine guns so we're in world war ii and the germans are fighting the americans and when the machine guns fire the american machine guns fire red and the german machine guns fire green and and it shoots through the air it shoots through the air shots in star wars like star wars now we're pretty sure this is an exact given the rest of the look and feel of the movie i think this is a deliberate exaggeration we did we did a little bit of research in that we went on youtube and looked at some people firing world war ii era machine guns you know fun for a sunday if you ever want to do that but uh they didn't look green flying through the air and so no I but think you this could was a, see there were like flashes they, of light yeah when they went off you could see flashes of light and there was a lot of smoke in this movie and i think that was to sort of be like look you can see the flashes because it's against the smoke but i really think it was stylized yeah i agree with you and I think it made it was... me giggle a lot yeah and because at first you're just like looks like star wars look pew 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 <laughs> and that's what it looked like but i think there was also something to be said in there about it being obvious where the fire is coming from because the actors or or the soldiers seem to know who's shooting and what type of gun is shooting and mm-hmm. i think if you've been in a war that long you probably do know that kind of stuff mm-hmm and so there, that was, I guess, to give you that sense of having been there and done that and knowing who's shooting at you. Yeah, I think possibly making it Star Warsy was like because I, I, it's. I think it's because it was practical effects and a few other things, but also it was shot on film. Mm. And the the way that they used shadows and silhouettes and colors rem- and smoke reminded me of Star Wars as well, mm-hmm. especially Empire Strikes Back is the and thing I think. It yes, like. because well, and the, the tanks as well. You get this. Because the opening scene in the Empire Strikes Back is those big are they ATATs or ATATs? Yeah. Those big tank things, right? And you get like big machinery of war. Mm. And I think that you get that a real sense of that. Yeah. So that was I mean, the first thing that I remember when I probably the thing I'll remember for the rest of my life when I think of this movie is, Oh, it's the one in the tank that's like Star Wars. Yeah. Um, well for the rest of your life you're like, now which Brad Pitt war World War Two movie was this? I have only seen Two, I think. I think there's, yeah, this is, I think, the third. Because wasn't he, was he in Monuments Man? Or am I just, like, mixing him up? 
No. <laughs> he wasn't. Wait. So, yeah, it's just this and um, – No, he wasn't in that, was he? I am mixing him up. And if George I'm, Clooney is in it, but I don't think Brad Pitt No, it's is in George it. Clooney and Matt Damon and a bunch Although of others. Although this did remind me of Monuments Men only in the fact that they're both set at the end of the war. Yeah. And I think it's because of what's going on in Afghanistan – at the moment, I mm. think that's where society is, where we're like, well, it's the end of the war, right? Yeah, I think I think you make a very, very good point there. Um, I think that's what Hollywood is preoccupied at the moment because that, that reflects what's happening in real life. And I'm sure we'll see a bunch of movies come out in the next three years that sort of reflect us having to go back in because of ISIS. Yeah. I think that might be a thing that'll, like, it'll be reflected by World War II movies because World War II movies all wrap up with a neat little bow because you've got, like, white people as the villains, so it doesn't look super racist, but also because World War II was actually a cause, a just cause, even though the Americans actually didn't join until they got personally attacked and couldn't care less when it was a just cause. The Americans always tout it as their just cause, like they went into the war to protect Jews and things. Yeah, it actually, even though, yeah, they didn't actually enter it until they got attacked themselves, there seems to be a very big American thing around the war, and and that's why uh, Captain America is as he is, of course. There's also a lot of Jewish people in Hollywood, which um, contributes to the number of um, World War II movies we get. And it looks good, too. Like, it, as we see in this movie, it looks good like everybody's uniforms are all crisp if you do a war movie now the uniforms don't look as good you know there's not that kind of thing about even vietnam war doesn't look as good so there's not as many movies about the vietnam war well and also the vietnam war was a lot more morally ambiguous the americans didn't win it there wasn't a really compelling reason to be there in the first place and there are so many disturbing atrocities committed on the American side, not just to the enemy, but also to their own soldiers. Mm. So there's so many interesting – the other thing about World War II is it's just sort of slipping out of memory. It's still – there are still people alive who remember World War II and there are even people alive who served in World War II, but they're, they're very old and they're getting older and they're dying off. So we can romanticise it a little bit more, but then we've got enough people around who remember it that it's still – Doable. The, yeah, but – what you're saying before about Hollywood being having a strong Jewish population, it does. And also the people a lot of people who started Hollywood were Jewish refugees. Yeah. Which is almost is more important almost, in that it's been part of Hollywood's imagination for yeah. as long as it's existed. Yeah, exactly. So there's a lot of sort of elements in there. So let's talk about the movie. Mm. <laughs> Apart from Sorry, it the movie good. itself. Yeah, it does look good. And it's like I think it does, like I said, really a job of the claustrophobia, but a really good job of the kind of guts and glory, uh, guts and goriness of the war. Not the glory, that was definitely a Freudian slip there. But yeah, it's really gory. Like there's a guy who's had his face blown off and left on his seat, and that's yeah, who Norman comes oh, in to replace. We do see the face later. We do see the face, but we, we mostly see the effects of that. That was more funny, really. Yeah, it is kind of funny. But yeah, but then we get to something that is both expected and troubling, which is that this newbie Norman has his journey into manhood through killing Nazis. Like that's. Yeah. I think actually like morally it was a little bit more complicated than that. Mm. I think that his journey into manhood through killing Nazis was more about his journey into manhood through camaraderie yep. and protecting the people. Cause that's what was working as a team, working as a team, learning to deal with out of his comfort zone, things like that. Protecting the people that you're responsible for. Yeah. There's a lot of this kind of, you're not responsible for these guys. You're responsible for us yeah. in this movie, which I think I took away because I'm a teacher probably. 
like it's it's about who you're responsible to and for. Oh yeah, you're getting yeah you're getting at something which is a blind spot for me. There, there's a thing in manhood about um you know being responsible for a family and being responsible for people and well I'm, I think that's I often, in adulthood. It is in adulthood, but there's a thing with men uh, about supporting families and mm. and things like that that we don't get as women in the same way and I don't I I'll often miss it because I just it's not something that's part of my worldview but it is something that's there I didn't that now you've pointed out I've thought of it I don't I mean it is there's a genderedness to it in that it's but in, in more of the providing for and protecting element of it but yeah. I think the responsibility element of it is just an adulthood thing. Mm. Who are you responsible for? It even, it even with the most disturbing scene in the movie, the, the two women, there's, yeah. there's an element of it in that because she, the older woman protects the younger one. She's my cousin, you know? Yeah. And she is responsible for her. Oh, can we just talk for a minute about how I completely misinterpreted that scene? When she said she's my cousin, I just assumed they were a lesbian couple and they were hiding because they were worried the Nazis were after them. No, they were hiding because they were they actually thought, cousins. Yeah. They were yeah. hiding because they thought they would be raped by the soldiers. Which is just as bad. Which was also very strongly implied for a long time and yeah just that whole scene like you said you uh, were tense through the captive i was so tense through that scene oh that whole that, when that it made finished, me Daniel so uncomfortable that whole scene it was so many problems in the whole th- just the whole even even though brad pitt and logan lerman's characters were nice to these women and they just kind of barged in and expected to be fed yeah they still used their power over them which made <laughs> i mean which essentially made the sex a rape even if she was yeah, even if it was consenting, like the power was, structure was. I mean, it right. isn't a rape, but it's it's not it's not fully consenting. It, yeah, it, it's problematic, and like the but the whole thing that the fact that they just walked up there and walked in and were like, "Can you give me some hot water? Here, have some eggs." Like, look, they had some rations to to offer them, but there was no "Can we come in?" There was no "Do you mind?" Like, it was just they barged in because they were soldiers and they were entitled to. Well, no, that's not entirely true. They went up there because they thought there was a threat up there because they saw the older woman in the window, the window and they thought she might be because there were a lot of young people and women who were fighting for the Germans yeah. at that point. Oh, yeah, that's right. So we, they actually yeah. they went up there because they thought there was a threat and then she was hiding somebody so they thought that person might be a threat. Yeah. So they went in there for reasons of yeah. protecting but once from they were in But there, once they were in there, they were they using were, their power. We're all like, oh, well, yeah, let's let's wash and eat and, um, you know, you two like each other. Let's, you know, you should have sex with her. And, and then they tried yeah. to make it even better by comparing them with the other guys from the group who, who come in worse. and who were worse. Mm. I mean, especially um, John Bernthal's character, oh. who was just awful. And I think the movie, I don't actually think the movie shies away from moral greys because Brad Pitt is abusive in some places, but he's also somebody who's protected them. And, you know, he um, is somebody who's been through a lot. And so there's there's a lot more layers to it. Yeah, well, that's the whole thing, though. It's all kind of grey. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that nobody's scene, exactly a hero or no. a bad guy. And the scene with the two women is probably the most where the American soldiers are bad guys. But that's it's grey in there as yeah, well. Yeah, but I I was really uncomfortable earlier when Brad Pitt was beating up um Logan Lerman. Yeah, like that made me really unhappy. But I think I, I understand the sort of the point that it was making. Yeah, so it was. I mean, it was kind of a morally grey movie, but then it wasn't as emotionally impactful as it thought it was either. 
No, because you kind of knew what was going to happen anyway. And when everybody started dying, I think the only time that I actually got upset were a couple of the Shia LaBeouf crying moments. Yeah. Actual cannibal Shia LaBeouf crying moments. <laughs> yeah. Who, by the way, was just fantastic. He's excellent in this movie. So but I also read afterwards that he refused to shave, pulled out one of his own teeth and cut his own face while making the movie. That's so commitment. Crazy. But also really good in this movie. Yeah, but he is he is fantastic. He plays this um southern Bible thumping soldier and he's got very a very black and white view of morality, like what he will and won't do except that he's in the middle of this war that is anything but black and white. Yeah, and he's a sort of a counterpoint to Norman, Logan Lerman's character, who is um, also religious. But, you know, he's been in the war longer. But he's also the he's well, the yeah. heart of the group. Yes, and lo- so Logan Lerman's character is, like, new to it all. He doesn't have his boundaries firmly set yet. He has very particular ideologies, but he's only ever lived a fairly sheltered life and he's about 19 and he's just he's been a clerk and he's been moved into a – into the front line. And he has giant blue eyes. Yeah. (laughs) And Shia LaBeouf's character is a real counterpoint to that. Someone who's got very strong ideology himself, but has just had a lot more life experience. I also think he might have been in love with Brad Pitt. Shia's character? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think that- Because there's a lot of, like, you know when he comes into the, um, when they he comes upstairs with the group, he never even looks at the women. (laughs) He's never interested in the women. But he glares at Brad Pitt the whole time. Yeah. Because I think he thinks Brad Pitt slept with one of them. Yeah. Like there's this undercurrent of him being in love with Brad Pitt, I thought, through the whole movie. I think that makes a lot of sense. Because there is the part of like where he's like, oh, no, I don't sleep with the women because I'm a good Christian boy and I'm not married. But I think you're right, Pete. might be on yes, something. Yes, but Norman there. was a good Christian boy, and he slept yeah. with her the first chance he got. Yeah, um, I know, and I think, and none of them view it as rape, even though it is. So yeah, uh, or as at least problematic sex yeah. in all of those situations. But yeah, he. Uh, I think I thought he might have been in love with Brad Pitt. I thought, but I also he was just so like you know when um John Bernthal's character dies, who dies first, by the way, I was sure that Shia LaBeouf was going to die first. No, John Bernthal, the one we hate, dies no, first. No, see, I. Yeah, but I thought that he might die. I I was surprised that it was him, then Michael Pena, and then Shia LaBeouf. No, Shia got to go out like a hero. Well, yeah, but I mean, they all kind of went out like heroes. But I I kind of thought that he would die first because he's the soft one. Yeah. And he's obviously the one who, like, they had to, they both had to watch him die because he was the, you know, heart of the group. Mm. Um, Mm. And you have to kill the heart of the group. Anyway, um, for a while, I thought he was going to die halfway through the movie in order to propel them to further vengeance later on down the track. So, yeah, but he, um, when John Bernthal's character dies and he gets so upset about it and you're just like, oh my God, that was, that was, I think, the most emotional moment in the movie for me. Yeah. And that was part of the thing that had been very well set up in the tank about how it's a very small environment and everyone's dependent on everybody else. Everybody in the tank has a job to do and everybody's dependent on everybody else doing their job for the whole thing to work. Yeah, and then they're so mad at Norman for not doing his job while they've never actually taught him how to do his job, which pissed me off. Yeah. Like, they just said, yeah, sit here and fire this. I understand that they were grieving for the other guy who died, but, like, you can't expect somebody to do their job without actually telling them how to do it. You cannot do that. It's wrong. Yeah. You can't. Uh, there's also there's an element too of like there's just not enough time. We're at the end of the war. No, but they do it on purpose. Going quickly, everything. But everything's always moving really quickly. They I know, but they still do it on purpose, right? He comes in and Brad Pitt specifically says to them, "Teach him how to shoot the gun." 
and they go, look, it's like this, when they are sitting down and they have time to teach him how to use the gun and have been told by their superior officer to teach him how to use the gun, they don't do it. No. Because they're angry and they're grieving and whatever. And I understand the emotional stuff behind it, but then they consistently punish him for the next hour for not being able to do it. Yeah. It's ridiculous. I, yeah, I, I think I just got irritated at some of the things in, like, and, and the way that, you know, the abuse and stuff. And then he like falls for it somehow. Yeah. Well, which was so weird to me. Yeah. Well, he's, it's like you either conform to it or you, or he wouldn't have survived. Like he just sort of. I know, but he he was he completely was, brainwashed, right? Though it happens in two days. Yeah, he, like he I don't know even if it's that he's completely brainwashed so much because he's the first one to volunteer to stay at the tank when they're doing their mm. uh, their uh, suicide, you know, mission. Yeah, I think it's that this the movie is somehow implying that like that kind of brotherhood wins out over other things or something like that. Yeah, like it just doesn't uh, and I work think also, for me. Especially if it had happened at, for a longer time, it would have mm. worked better for me. Well, I see. I was sort of thinking that that kind of happened because we're in such an intense situation that that kind of thing it was kind of hot housed and um the uh, the intense situation of war in general, but also the the extra pressure of it being the end, it being almost over. The, the group that he'd come into was just so scarred by it all. Yeah, but they were also very intense in their uh, friendship with each other and stuff. But they were intense in their friendship because they had survived so long together. Yes. Um, and also, by the way, Shia LaBeouf's character is called, Bi- his nickname is Bible. Yeah. Um, it was Bible, I think, I believe that John Bernthal's lovely nickname was Coon Ass. Because I saw delightful. Him, yeah, he, he's charming. Michael Pena was Gordo, but his real name was Trini something. And Brad Pitt was Don something, and his war name was War Daddy. Yep. I'm very good at remembering the names of characters in movies for about a week. Yeah. I like Michael Pena. I thought he was a bit, a, a little bit one note in this. Yeah, he was underused, I reckon. He was underused. He was there to fill the quota, you know? Like, he wasn't really... He was a diversity quota. Yeah. He wasn't really used very well. And John Bernthal was basically there to be anim- animus, animosity. Uh, antagonist? And No, antagonistic, I guess, but it's not. he's not an antagonist. He's just, he's, he provides animosity. He's, just, he's, he's the asshole of the group. He's the jerk, yeah. But, yeah, uh, so really you get, like, the three of them. Yeah. And I also felt like there was a kind of a thing where um, Norman was taking over Bible's position in the group mm-hmm. and there was some tension there. So really the most interesting stuff in the book, in the movie was all around Shia LaBeouf's character. It was, it was the love triangle between Brad Pitt, Shia LaBeouf, and Logan Lerman. Yeah. Exactly. Even though given the but age gaps really... involved, at Brad Pitt's more like a father figure to those two. Yeah. There was also a really nice moment when – I mean, I'm not – I'm an atheist. You know that. But there's, I thought it was a really nice moment when there was a soldier who was dying on the field and Bible goes over to him and he's like – Prays with him while he dies. Not just prays with him, but he, he goes up to a dying soldier and he says to him, you're going to be okay. Do you believe in Jesus? And the guy says yes. And he goes, then you're going to be just fine. And he starts to – and I was like, oh, it's so cute. <laughs> Even though I'm like – seriously an atheist i was just like that's gorgeous that's so sweet you're going through something that i've been going through for a while which is that uh there is a real comfort in religion especially like that there is this famous saying the religious religious types are fond of which is that there's no atheists in foxholes and um there is there is something lovely about seeing that like it doesn't matter that you don't believe in it yourself it's that he it's I think there's some need in humans to pastor to one another and whether or not there's a God involved or it's the particular Christian God or another God or whatever. Uh, Shia LaBeouf's character is this wonderful pastor in terms of he's 
provides pastoral care, mm. irrespective of the religion, and he's really good at it. And you notice that when, when the other guy in the tank dies, they, he holds his hand and tra- travels with the body. He's the guy you want with you when you're dying. Like, Yeah, he's super caring. Yeah. Um, and just really, it's really sweet. But that moment was like, I think it's also the humanity in it. Yeah. Like that they could connect over this thing that they both believed in and he was providing that kind of comfort to somebody who was dying that they could have that moment. You know, but it was, God, it was gorgeous. Anyway. Yeah. Um, and and that that's... was also that scene, like they use um, Twilight so well in this movie. Yeah. You know, like it was one of those scenes where everybody was just in shadow and the light was behind them. And yeah, magic hour stuff. It was, it was so pretty. <laughs> uh, that was, I think, the thing I, I enjoyed the most about this movie was that it was really pretty. Yeah. But yeah, I, I feel like it was, this movie was quite episodic. Yes. This happens, this happens, Clearly, this happens, yeah. big finale. Like there's not a lot of, the only through line is, Norman slowly becoming becoming used to the war and becoming part of the team. Yeah. Yeah, Nor- Norman's character arc kind of keeps the whole thing together. Yeah. I mean, it, it does keep it together, but I also think it's not – I just don't think the story holds up, you yeah. know? Like, I've talked about some of the things I really liked, but there's also things I didn't really like about the movie. And one of them is that the story doesn't – I did actually get bored in quite a few scenes because it is just – Tank goes to this place. Tank goes to this place. Tank goes to we, this place. We get our like, orders from Lucius Malfoy. We go to another place. Yeah. Oh, and, and um, Jason Isaacs, not playing English, not playing the villain. I was like, I know. Whoa. I was so sure when I saw his name that he was going to be a Nazi. And he's like doing the accent right and he sounds really good. Oh, was my. he also in Black Hawk Down? Yes, he was in Black Hawk Down. I thought so. Yeah. Yeah, he was good. There was also – there was one shot where like there was a, a tank – or was it a tank or a machine gun that was in the basement of a house and it starts shooting and somebody's legs get sh- leg gets shot off? Yeah. I liked that bit. Yeah, that was cool. <laughs> Although that set looked like it had come th- – because we'd seen Monuments Men so relatively recently, and when I say relatively recently, I mean six months ago, they looked like the same set. Like It looked like they literally just rebuilt everything again for this movie when it came along. George and Brad were – Yeah, you know, they were like – they movies. were sharing their thing. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it did it, it? I don't think it was exactly the same, but it, I know. It I mean, wasn't. because it was shot in German countryside, it's all going to look pretty similar. Yeah. You know, it do, do, did have that fe- sensation and feeling of being. Yeah, the, and I think that's the thing. It got the sensation of being there, having been there before, because we re- literally have trod over this World War Two ground. World War Two lasted for what seven years. There's probably more than seven years worth of film around on World War Two that we've watched. Yeah. I also think the script was very slight. Uh, there's a couple of lines that think they're really, really clever and really deep. I and can't remember not. any of those. Um, one of them is Brad Pitt talking about, uh, what is it? Sorry, treaties are peaceful, history is violent. Yeah. Really? Like, is that really what you're going with? Because then history is also kind of peaceful. I mean, you know, if people have made treaties in the past and that is history, then that is peace happening in history. And there's long periods of peacefulness happening in history. And there's also – really, it's more that treaties are peaceful and war is violent. Oh, or maybe even I, humanity see, is violent. I'm all, yeah, I was going to say, history is violent. Like, no big social change has ever happened without a lot of blood being spilled. But it doesn't It doesn't make sense because it's like it, – it doesn't make sense for him to say treaties are peaceful and history is violent to me because I'm like, but treaties are part of history. Like, it is – we have – I think the point is that They are, have, but they almost never survive. But I think the point is that we have capacity for both war and peace within us. Yeah. And that that is constantly fighting, you know, that is a constant um, – Tension. Tension within ourselves, which is what I was think it was trying to get at. But it was just really awkwardly worded. 
Oh, okay. See, I don't remember the bit about the treaties. I remember the bit about history being violent. And I'm like, yep, yep. Well, maybe they were trying to get to that punchline and the first bit didn't really make sense with it. Yeah. I don't know. I found that really kind of, I know it's pedantic, but it, it's that thing where they, it feels like they were trying to be really smart when they wrote it and it's not smart. And yeah. there's a lot of stuff in this that's like, look how smart we are, but it's, it's very, by the numbers and boring and you know there's no real kind of shining moments apart from that the bit yeah. that i liked i i think but that was more out of performance i think and i think that's the thing like i it's just the kind of movie i'm probably not going to remember like i i will recommend <laughs> it to other people like this is the kind of to like take your dad to it kind of movie that it doesn't add anything to the world war Two canon and I'm not sure it tells me a lot about the world I'm living in now either. And it's got to do one Apart or the other. Apart from that we're fascinated with the end of the war? Yeah. we Well, yes, I think that's right. You, we are fascinated with the end of the war. And not just – and when you say that it's not specifically necessarily the war in Afghanistan, it's this whole – it's like the feeling of an end time. Mm. So I, this, I talk about this every week, but like the end of – a particular way of life, an end of capitalism, an end of these ideas about the West and things like that. There's sort of an end of history idea about it. And so maybe it's more that we're, we're preoccupied with the, the last burst of things because there's a lot of stuff going on in our culture at the moment that actually does show the sort of the last frenzied burst of a group that's been defeated. Gamergate would be one of those things where you've got like the last – frenzied we'll throw everything at it but we know we're going to lose in the end but you know the last the last people standing are the most fanatical kind of thing gee i really hope you end up being right i i feel like i am right about that because it's not just it's game and other things but in in the general sense of things you feel like what is progressive and what is about equality and what is about loving people and letting people have their full humanity i think we've won but I think there is a concerted, particularly defiant group digging its heels in just at the last. And, you know, we still got to fight them. But I, 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 so, I, so I think it's broader than just necessarily Afghanistan and, okay. and the other adventures we're on. But yeah, I, you know, that, that's just a, a see, I look feeling. back and I feel like there's been a lot of what, what really happens is you do a little, like, little step forward, right? And then you go into a regression for like 20 years. And then it starts to build up and you go forward again. And then you go into another regression for 20 years. And I feel like what we're there actually doing- There is a bit doing, of that, but we're getting ahead. in the Over the longer term, yes, we're winning. I agree, but I don't think but that this is any being last- a soldier in the trenches is no less bloody or dangerous. But in I, fact, I, it's almost more dangerous. Yeah. I just think that like that the, the concept that it's the last, I think what was actually happening is that like we do what what ends up happening is like it's more like two steps forward one step back right so you take two step forwards over a period of time where everybody's like this isn't right we're not going to do this anymore and then you go back so you've got like the 70s and, the and then who, you go back in the 80s and the 90s and the 90s start to like, go forwards yeah anyway it's it's like that last stand of them throwing yeah. the last people out. i just think that the the concept that we're you know that it's the last gasp and then everybody's going to be happy and capitalism will die is sort of I, I, it's it's I'm I'm thinking of it. I'm not thinking it's not going to happen in like five years time. No, right? I, I understand. I, I, I'm thinking in the longer t- sense of history kind of thing. I'm thinking in the terms of the century mm. or the two centuries. But but I mean, look at the 20s. The 20s had really really sort of forward thinking ideas about women, and then we went way back for ages. So mm. yeah, and, and and like history's not linear. It's not only is it violent, it's not linear. Like it's not. It's, you don't sort of – you sort of move forward in fits and starts and you get pushed back against and, and that's how it works. I just sort of 
I, I also think there's definitely a sense of like end times at the moment. Yeah, I think so too, but I'm not sure that I think a lot of that also has to do with our increasing worry about the state of affairs of the environment yep. and disease and a lot of other things that we're seeing and reflected in other movies. Yeah, and, and that's true as well. Like Interstellar, which is coming out soon and stuff like that. Mm. Um, anyway, yeah. we should probably talk about the m- movie some more, if you can remember anything to say. I, I I think we kind of covered a lot of stuff. We covered the things that were problematic. We covered the things that were good. Yeah. and We uh, haven't really talked about Brad Pitt, who I thought was okay. Yeah, he was good. Um, I mean, he... He was Brad Pitt. Yeah, he was like slipping into his the same accent he used in um Glorious Bastards and the same uniform and you know he's killed some Nazis. He's very very good at carrying movies. Yes, yes. Brad Pitt is a bona fide movie star in that like if you get Brad Pitt for a movie, you know he's gonna carry that thing. Yeah, there's not gonna be any you know he, he there's not gonna be any concern about where the movie's going because he knows where it's going. And he doesn't let scenes slip away from him and he's on point and he's on his lines and he's on the emotion that has to be played in that scene. But at the same time, I don't think any of it is, like, outstanding. Yeah. Though I'm, I think, obviously, uh, Shia LaBeouf is the standout of this movie. I would agree with that. He yeah. is so good in this. Like, Brad Pitt is solid. And I think there's there is something to be said for doing that kind of – turning up and being Brad Pitt, there is something that, that, that kind of holds the whole thing together. Yeah. And um might be less, you know, regarded. But Brad Pitt's a very good actor and he always has been. And as he gets older, he's able to get better at it because he gets less good looking. And when he was younger, he was so good looking that people were concerned about – all they were worried about is that he's really hot and not that he's a good actor and he's always been both. And now that he's getting older, he's kind of got a bit more freedom and he's happy to – people will let him be ugly. Yeah. I, I never really thought he was good looking, but I'm hoping I that- I didn't, personally, no. But I know that he was, like, it's not It's not always about just individ- what you individually think of him. It's that Hollywood viewed him as this hot young man. Yeah. And that's, that's how he was portrayed. Um, I hope that people like Ryan Reynolds and Chris Evans, I guess. Not I guess, Chris Evans. But Chris Evans, I think, has already proven that he can do good acting. <laughs> yes. He does the good acting well. Um. <laughs> Uh, no, I, I think that um, Chris Evans has already gotten to prove that he – because he's always done, like, minor supporting roles and stuff like that. It's not till Cap that he was really, like, the yeah. heartthrob. But I think people like Ryan Reynolds, who I've always thought was quite a good actor, mm. I'm hoping that he will get to do something similar. Yes. But, yeah, I, I think – I mean, there, I, I was, I'm trying to give Brad Pitt props. He does yeah, do – I just don't think he's, like, I mean, he, amazing. He, he's good, but he's kind of outshone by Shia LaBeouf in this. Yes, Shia LaBeouf, who is crazy and – Really, really living the role and just, but it's so good. Like, yeah. and, and constantly like teary eyed. And at one point he has the one perfect tear. Oh, the, the, uh, that, that, acting, the Oscar reel. Acting. Yeah. The Oscar Put reel of the reel. one per- perfect mm-hmm. tear. Yeah. He just really like, he really killed it. Cause you really, I think there wouldn't be any emotion really in this. I think Logan Lerman is just. I think Loman Logan Lerman is just young. He's fine. I mean, he's probably right? about the same age as Shia LaBeouf, but he's no, he's he's a bit younger. But he's more immature in his acting. Yeah, no, he's like, a few years younger than Shia LaBeouf. Yeah, is he? Because I keep, I keep, uh, I, I have to keep in 90s. mind that Shia LaBeouf is much y- younger than we think he so is. So Shia LaBeouf is born in 1986, which makes him pretty young. But really, Logan, 1986. Yep. Wow, that show that he was on was ages ago, and Holes is old. Yep. Because he was a teenager in Holes. Well, this is maybe this is part of Shia LaBeouf's problem. He started when he was so young. Uh, Logan Lerman is 1992, so he's 22 now. 
but yes, a baby, you know, yeah, yeah. relative terms. He's very immature in this, and I think he's just kind of frenetically putting it all out there, you know, like, yeah. oh my god, I have to act really, really scared in this bit, and really, really uh, like happy in this bit, and really, really flirty in this bit, and he's just like really trying. <laughs> But it doesn't really work because everybody else is kind of like, it's a war. And he's just sort of like, I'm going to do everything. I thought he was fine as kind of like an audience stand in, like as in he's kind of clueless and he just kind of, he's just sort of going along with it all. Yeah. But, but um, yeah. I think even in like, you know, when he first shows up and he's like, hey, it's not my fault. I'm only trained to do this and that sort of stuff where it's just like he's, he's you know, forcing a lot of the stuff out of him rather uh. than – Rather than acting it, does right. that make sense? I, I think I see what you like mean. Like he wasn't bad; it's just that it was it was too forced. It was too much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas, like, you get the idea that Brad Pitt broke up like that and just sort of wandered <laughs> onto set, did yeah. his lines for the day, and wandered off again. Yeah, well, that's the thing is that yeah. he's that anchor and he just does it, yeah. and he's just good at it. Whereas, and then Shia LaBeouf is his, in the period of time where he's like he's putting I'm a lot a of effort into actor. it. Yeah, he's putting a lot of effort in, but you don't see it as much because he's like he's got enough experience to kind of make it show through as real. Yeah, it it felt very real what he was doing. Yeah. And that's why there's emotion in it, you know, apart from the bits where. But I just don't like seeing adults beat up on people who look like kids. I agree, Which yeah. is why, one of the reasons why that scene made me so unhappy. Yeah. But yeah. It, it is anyway. disturbing. But it's, it's, it's a movie that deals in, like, grey areas. It's not about. Yeah, I understand that. Yeah. It just It's still, like, after that, I don't think I ever liked Brad Pitt after that, you know? Uh-huh. I liked him before that, especially in that, you know, that moment where he walks away and then he starts like freaking out by himself after barking yeah. orders. That was a good bit. That was, um, we never saw that again. That sort of happened and then. No, because mm. he had to be together for the rest of it mm. because we never get, we never get to see it again because he's always with his crew for the rest of it. Yeah. Yeah, that bit. But then once he, once he really, really abused Norman, mm. I was like, nope, <laughs> I didn't like him after that. Hmm. No, just no. Yeah, yeah. And that was why one uh, another reason why that that scene with the women was so tense is because I fully believed he could rape them. I, I didn't trust after him. watching yeah. him beat up a kid. And, and this is why I said I agree with you because I I didn't trust him. Yeah. In that scene with the women. Yeah. After watching him it's beat like, up a kid, what you're like, is he yeah, doing? He what is his end her. game here? Yeah. And he kept shoving her by the chest. Mm. Blah. Blah. Yeah. No. Like and throwing his weight around. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Yeah. Fury. Yep. Ratings. Let's go. Um, Three. I gave it three, too. Oh, yeah. Fair enough. We okay. very rarely give it exactly the same rating. No. Yes, three, and I texted my brother to say watch it. So if you like my brother, you'll like it. <laughs> yeah, I think as a war movie, it's pretty solid. And, you know, if you like movies, it's so pretty mm. that I think it's worth watching. And, and if you would like to see who should be up for Best Supporting Actor in, <laughs> by next year, then go see it because Shia LaBeouf kills it. Yeah. I think. Mm. You know, I, that's a bit pre. I, I think that's a bit pre. Um, premature. Premature. Thank you. I cannot remember words tonight. That's all right. You've had a very long week. <laughs> had a very long week. Um, it's a bit premature, but I think he was. From what I've seen so far, he and Bill Hader have the best performances so far of the year cool. in anything. Uh, <laughs> we'll see how that plays out over the next few months. Oh, and Essie Davis in the Butter Book. Babadook. Babadook. Oh, I, Damn it. I just retweeted something from our Facebook about the Babadook, uh, our Twitter from the Babadook, about the Babadook. It took in, it's been, just been released in Europe and it took more in its opening weekend in Europe than it took in its whole run in Australia. So cool. it's doing really well, which I'm it did super a lot proud. Of, it's gotten a lot of word of mouth yeah. sort of momentum and stuff, which yeah. is great. So go the Babadook. Very yeah. proud. You yeah. should watch it. I will. I will. I promise I will. You won't. It's scary. 
I can watch it at home by With myself. The lights on. <laughs> well, the cat's still here to keep me company. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much for listening to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. If you want to read the show notes, uh, they are up on our website, which is silverscreenqueens.com. Uh, you can read Katie's review of Fury on her blog, silverscreenqueen.wordpress.com. If you want to find us on social media, that is pretty easy to do. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter at screen underscore queens. And we're on Tumblr, tumblr.silverscreenqueens.com. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.